All right, Shabbos say good morning, good morning, and really exciting and beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tebes. The daf Yomi Shifra dedicating the Shi'urim this month in memory of Mr. Milton Martyr, Mordechai David Ben Rafala Cohen. To thank Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the Shi'urim and Joshua's this month, creation of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Kapal, Ben Ram Menachem. And to thank our week of learning sponsors, Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, and the Schuss of Rafu Shalema. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, the Nishamislav and Aliyah, the families in the and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And also with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Samech Vav 66, and we are picking up at or on Samech Emebe's 65b. An incredible, incredible Gemara ahead of us today. So we are picking up at the Mishnah on the bottom of Samech Emebe's last Mishnah on the daf. So we'll say, so remember again, this entire time what we're focusing on, same topic, about what, what, what is a legitimate Pesach, right? What is a legitimate opening in order to allow for Hataras Nedarim, annulment of vows. So you can create a Pesach for a man through the Ksuva of his wife. It was an interesting case. What's the case? Here, watch this. There was once a guy who made a nadar that is that, that ultimately again that his wife can't get hana from him or that he can't get hana from his wife. Nebo say a nadar like that by definition triggers divorce because again if a husband if a husband makes a nadar that he's not going to get benefit for his wife from his wife for his wife or not give benefit to to his wife. So the mice again intimacy becomes prohibited. Interact certain interactions become prohibited. So that triggers that triggers divorce. That triggers divorce. Now, so what happened? Now, this lady had, had, a, had a generous ksuva. She had a ksuva of 400 dinarim. Okay. So the guy, the husband went to Bezdin to, you know, I guess, to, to, to finalize the divorce. And Rabbi Akiva said, okay, you owe, you owe a ksuva of 400 dinarim. Amrullah Rabbi. He said, the guy, the husband says, Rebbe, ches meos dinarim heniach abba. You know, my father died. My father died. He left behind an estate of 800 dinarim. So what happened? Notal achi dalim meos. My brothers took 400 dinarim as their inheritance. Vani dalim meos. And all I have, I, I got 400 dinarim. So my entire inheritance, and apparently this guy didn't have money of his own, my entire inheritance ultimately again is 400 dinarim. So, so lo he bani So the husband was saying to Rabbi Akiva, "Listen, at least, at least, help me reach a settlement, right? Give my wife two hundred dinarim, my ex-wife, my soon-to-be ex-wife two hundred dinarim, and I'll give two hundred dinarim. If I have to pay her all four hundred dinar, then what? I walk out of this marriage penniless." Amar Rabbi Akiva, "Afilu ata mocher se'ar roshecha." A great line. Rabbi Akiva says, even if you have to sell the hair on your head, you do what you have to do to give her the ksuva. Which essentially means Rabbi Akiva says, sorry, no luck. You owe her 400 dinar. That is the ksuva. That's it. There is nothing more to talk about. Amarlo, so listen to this. The guy says, Had I known that I was really going to have to pay her a ksuva of 400 dinar, Lo hayisi no der. I would have never made this neder. So now was like, the guy understood, the guy understood that the neder was going to trigger divorce. But he thought that in the divorce settlement, 
he could get away with somehow paying just 200 dinar. He never thought that he would be stuck with the complete 400 dinar amount. So essentially he says, had I known, had I known, I would have never paid. I would have never made the nether. So what happens? Viti Rabbi Akiva. I will say ultimately again, Rabbi Akiva permitted the nether based on this. And as Rabbi said, this was a Pesach. Had, had I known then that I would really be obligated to pay the folk suva, I would have never made the nether. Rabbi Akiva said, oh, that is a Pesach, right? That creates effective charata, and therefore ultimately again, the nether is annulled. Incredible story. Terrible story. Says the Gemara. Here's what's interesting. What the Gemara is actually focused on is the hair, is the hairline. Right? Not the hairline, right? But, but right, the hairline. Words, Rabbi Akiva is saying, Rabbi Akiva saying to the guy, even if you have to sell your hair, right, you have to go out and pay the ksuva. The Gemara says, really? The Gemara says, Actually, I'm sorry, before we get to hair. Sorry, before we get to hair. So, we'll say, so here's what's interesting. The guy said to Rabbi Akiva, my father left me 400 dinari. Now, we'll say, the assumption is, the assumption is that literally, again, he left him 400 dinari, like, like cash or metaltalin. So I'll say, so the Gemara says, I don't understand, metaltalin means ksuvasa? Are metaltalin movable property, we'll say, in general, a ksuva only encumbers real property. A ksuva doesn't encumber movable property. So technically speaking, if he's got 400 dinari of inheritance of metaltalin, that would not be meshuba to the ksuva, to which the Gemara says, Rabbi dinar. So I'll say, no, 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 because at the end of the day, actually what his father left him was not metaltan, but rather was what? Was actual property, was actual land. Okay, so real estate, I'll say, so real estate is going to be meshuba to the karka. Uh, it's meshuba to the ksuva. I, but Rabbi Akiva said to the guy, to the husband, even, after, even if you have to sell the hair on your head, you are obligated to do so. Now we'll say, Hair is metaltalin, right? Metaltalin. So how does Rabbi Akiva say to him that the mice even have to sell the hair on your head? No, no, Rabbi Akiva meant like this. Rabbi Akiva said, was saying to the husband, listen, you have to pay the whole ksuba, which means even if you have to use the entire inheritance in order to pay the ksuba, you are obligated to do so. Ah, you're not going to have any money left for yourself. Rabbi Akiva says, okay, Sell your hair. Sell your hair. That way you'll have money for your own food. So he wasn't telling the husband, sell your hair in order to pay the ksuva. What was he telling the husband? Sell your hair so that what? You'll be able to take care of yourself. You'll, you'll have money from somewhere. To which the Yomar says, this is fascinating. will say, but what do you see from this? Ein mesadrin lebalchov. will say, this is actually fascinating. What do you see from this, says the Yomar? That halokha lemaisa, when it comes to paying a ksuva debt, we do not care about how the debtor is going to sustain himself after the debt. I was about to say, this is an interesting halachic and also like hashkafa question. Someone owes money. They have enough money to pay the debt. Enough money to pay the debt. But we know that once they pay the debt, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're penniless. They're penniless. So there is an interesting machok as well. Take a look at the first line of the run. Here's the shayla. When a person, when a person has money, and he's going to pay off a debt, does do we make sure that even after the paying off of the debt, he has at least enough money to live? 
Or do we say, no, not our problem. You owe the debt. You have the money to pay the debt. And what your financial situation is after payment of the debt is simply not our, me, not our problem. So we'll say, that's a machlokas. We call the machlokas, misadrin l'balchov, or misadrin. Misadrin means like, like seder. Do we worry about the financial health of the debtor after he pays the debt? And therefore we'll say, what that would mean is, maybe we restructure repayment a little bit differently. In other words, we both say, so maybe instead of having him pay an entire life's, life lump sum, sorry, we go ahead and we put him on a payment plan so that he's paying over a certain amount of time, but at least like this, he has what he needs to live. Or do we say, no, truth is, not our problem. Not our problem. So both say, so the Gemara says, what do you see from here? The fact that the Akiva said, remember again, both say, the husband in this case, what was he saying? If I pay off the Ksuva, then what? Then what? I'm penniless. I have nothing. What did Rabbi Akiva say to him? Sell your hair. Rabbi will say, now, by the way, sell your hair is the Talmudic equivalent of what? Go fly a kite. Right? Go fly a kite. Sell your hair. So, in other words, what Rabbi Akiva was saying is, listen, essentially, not my problem. Which Rabbi will say, by the way, isn't it such an interesting thing how sometimes in life, people, people, have, people have a problem, people have a challenge. And I will say, like, sometimes, like, the reflexive reaction is... What could we do to help? You have a problem, what can we do to help? And I will say, sometimes in life, the way you have to approach other people's problems is you need to figure it out. You need to figure it out. I, 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 I can't help, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it's hard, because essentially when we're young and idealistic, we want to fix everything and we want to fix everyone. I want to have a solution to everything. And I think as we get older, we recognize I can't solve your problems. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you, you borrowed the money, right? In this case, right? You, you, you have an obligation. You, you have to make good. And you're, you're just going to have to figure this out. Now, conversely, I think most of us know, because all of us have kind of been in situations like that, where we've had a problem, maybe turned to someone for help, and the response we got was, go figure it out. And was, you know what the incredible part is? Some of the greatest life growth comes from figuring it out. As much as that hurts, when sometimes you feel like you needed help and you didn't get the help, what you get from having to rely on yourself and figure it out are the moment, they're moments of personalistic, explosive personalistic growth. Because now I have to figure it out. There's no lifeline. There's no lifeline. There is absolutely no one on the other end. But I have to do this on my own. So let's say it says pretty incredible. So Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva seemed to be of the opinion, even massage in the balfo. No, pay it back, not our problem. Then Gemara says, No, no, no. Amram Nachman, Amram Nachman by Yitzchok, Lomar, Tap of Samachvav, Shein Makaran Shtachal. The Gemara says, No, not necessarily. In other words, it could be that we hold massage in the balfo. And perhaps what Rabbi Akiva was saying when he said, Sell your hair was look. There was both sides. What was the husband trying to accomplish in this case? Right? Remember again, what was his objective? What was his objective? Reduction of the ksuva amount. Right? Rabbi was saying is, listen, we are not reducing the ksuva amount. So again, we'll, we could figure out the payment plan. We could figure out a payment plan. But in other words, when Rabbi Akiva said, go sell your hair, go sell your hair might not mean pay the whole amount right now. Go sell your hair means... The ksuva, we're not reducing anything. This is what you owe. We can figure out how you can pay it in a way that doesn't, that doesn't sink you. But Lamaisi, you're still obligated to pay. So says, all the Gemara is suggesting over here is just there's this, this sugi itself 
doesn't point in either direction on the sugi of Amos Ajahn Bachos. Therefore, what we come out with over here is another form of Pesach, right? That you could create a Pesach ultimately again with the Ksuba of one's wife. So I'll say that that's the din of the Mishnah. That's the din of the Mishnah. And Halacha, so I'll say we also learn about a fascinating Machlokis about Misaj and the Balchov or a Misaj and the Balchov. So I'll say, so just the fundamental Machlokis, do we worry about the financial health of the debtor? after he pays back the debt or not. That's a fundamental machlokas. But ultimately, again, that machlokas is not really resolved or not really addressed, ultimately, through our, through our Mishnah. I'll say, I just will give you an interesting maramakom. There is a fascinating rush. The first rush on the daf, on the daf of Yerusalem, Vav, Amid, Aleph. Again, I'll say, he just says, Kilomar, li'olam esajjad ba'achov, achi kamarlei, li'olam atachayiv lifro l'ksuva, mikom l'chazim shi'avod yadecha, so, so again, you'll read the rest of the rush. It's very interesting. But the rush is saying, could be the Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva wasn't saying that we're going to force you to pay everything right now and therefore you'll have no money to live on. What Rabbi Akiva was just saying is, your attempt to reduce the ksuva is not going to work. It's not going to work. We'll figure out again what you need to sell, how you can sell our property, while at the same time living. Okay, Mishnah. But I'll say, great case. Poschin b'yamim tovim b'shabasos. Ah, listen to this erev Shabbos, erev Shabbos case. Great, you could create a pesach with yom tov and Shabbos. Now, I'll say now, what is what does that mean? Let's see. Now, first of all, you can actually take a look at the ran top ran. So poschin b'yamim tovim shomrim lo ila hayisi odeh sheaser leitzdar b'shabbos hayisi noder. So I'll say we're going to see. Let's say a guy makes a neder that he's not going to eat meat or drink wine. And then we tell him, listen, now he comes to Shabbos, right? And he realizes, oh, eating meat and drinking wine is such an important part of Shabbos. So we say to him, had you real, or Yamte for that matter, had you realized that you would cause yourself such tsar by missing out on owning Shabbos, enjoyment of Shabbos, simchas Yamtiv, pleasure of Yamtiv, would you have made this nether? And if he says no, that creates a proper Pesach. So that's what it means. Poschin biyam tovim barishabosos. Barishona, and I will say, so that's the case. Now in the beginning, how you omrim, Osan hayamim mutarin, usharakal yamim asurin. Now, watch, let's play this out for just a second. I make a nether, and in my nether, I say, I'm not going to eat meat or drink wine. Then what happens? I come to base and I say, Oh, you know what? It's Shabbos and it's Yamtiv. I'm going to miss out on all the, all the wonderful enjoyment of Shabbos and Yamtiv. So, what happens? The basin says to me, Well, had you realized, had you realized that you would miss out on Onik Shabbos and Simchas Yamtiv? Would you have made the nether? And I say, had I known then what I know now, I would not have made the nether. Beautiful. I will say, what is that called? That's called the Pesach. That's called the Pesach. That allows for So I will say, so now the Shaila is, so what's revoked? What's revoked? So in the beginning, right? In the beginning, they thought, what's revoked? Shabbos and Yom Tif. So now I could eat meat on Shabbos and Yom Tif, but the nether is still in effect for what? For, for, the rest of, for the rest of the time. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva came along and he said, No, Rabbi Akiva came along and Rabbi Akiva said, Not true. Rabbi Akiva taught that a neder, once you permit part of it, the entire time, will say, a neder is an all or nothing proposition. Either, either you're bound by the neder or you're not. There's no such thing as being released from components of the nether. So once there is a Pesach for Shabbos and Yom Tiv, the entire nether falls. Once some component of the nether is, is, is nitar, becomes permitted, the entire nether falls away. Okay, so I just want to say, what's the case? Here it is. 
Konam. So he gives, gives an example. I will say, the Gemara is giving an example of Neder Shehutar Mechlalo Hutar Kulo. Once part of the Neder becomes part of the whole, how do you, so what's, what's an example? This Amar, Konam Sheini Nana Lekulchem. Let's listen to this. Right? I make a Neder. I make a Neder to this group. Right? Konam, I make a Neder that I'm not going to get Hano. Right? I'm not going to give Hano any Nana Lekulchem. I'm not going to give Hano to any of you. Hutar Echemihem. So we'll say, if I do Hatar Sandarim, I revoke the Neder for one of the members of the group, then what? So Hutar Kulan. Ultimately, again, everyone becomes permitted. That, that's the example, because I will say, why? I made the Neder to a group. Once one part of the group becomes Mutter, by definition, the entire Neder falls away. Sheni Nene, Lezeh, Ulezeh. I will say, however, what if I say, I take a Neder, I'm not going to get Hana from you. And from you, and from you, and from you, then what? Hotra Rishon, Hotra Kulon, Hotra Acharon, Acharon, whatever Kulon Asher. So we'll say this is interesting. We actually had this case before. So we'll say there's a, there's a discussion in the rush over here how exactly I'm phrasing this. Am I saying I'm, I make an edge not to get Hana from you? Does it have to be and from you, and from you, and from you? Or is it just from you, from you, from you, from you, from you? Either way, the Mishnah seems to say that what I'm doing is I'm linking all of the Nadarim together. One is linked to the other. And therefore I will say, what happens? If I go ahead and I know the Nadar that I made to the first guy, then what? It's like a domino effect. Everyone becomes permitted. However, Hutra Acharon, if I only do Atharas Nadarim for the last guy, then what? Ha'acharon Mutra Vakulan Asurin. Ultimately, only the last guy is Mutra, but, but again, his release from the Nadar doesn't affect anyone before him in the chain. Similarly, in the parentheses, I will say, if I go ahead and I do a tarzanar for the guy in the middle, then what will say? That affects him and what? Everyone below him, but everyone above him, so to speak, is unimpacted. So we'll say, so what happens if I say, listen to this, listen to this. I say, right, Ruvain, I'm not Nanet, you, you are to me like a carbon. Shimon, you are to me like a carbon. Right? Leave you are to me like a carbon. So we'll say, what am I doing in this case? I'm making a separate lotion of neder to each of these guys. Then what? Pesach l'chol echad ve'echad. Then I will say they're not linked. They're not linked. They each have their own independent neder or sirhana. And therefore, again, I need a Pesach. I need a hatara for each of them individually. Konam yayin shani toim. We'll say listen to this case. Great cases. Konam shani toim. So let's do this. I make a neder. I make a neder. Wine is konam to me. I'm not going to taste wine. Why? Why? Shayayin rolameayim. Because wine is bad for the intestines, for the stomach. Now I will say, so what am I doing in this case? I'm making a nether, but I'm explicitly articulating why I'm making the nether, right? I went to my doctor. He tells me I'm having some stomach issues. He didn't tell me not to drink wine, but I, I, right, I went on WebMD. I saw, right, that, that again, that wine is bad. Wine is bad for the stomach. So I'm making a nether. I'm not going to drink wine because wine is bad for the stomach. Okay, Amrulo, so I'm at the Kiddush, and they tell me, you know, by the way, aged wine is actually very good for the stomach. So we'll say, what's that, Lacha? I'm allowed to drink aged wine. Not only am I allowed to drink aged wine, but what? But rather, rather we'll say, I'm allowed to drink all wine. Now we'll say, now what's, what's happening over here? I will say, now in this case, what we're going to see, in this case, what we're going to see is, um, 
Good. Yes. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see the. Uh, we'll see the. We'll see the explanation of this case. But I will say this is gonna be a little bit different because this really seems to go back to what we're talking about about a neder betos, right? About a mistaken neder. That's really what's happening over here, right? Again, in other words, I made a neder with a certain body of knowledge. What well, was well, actually with a certain assumption? What was my assumption that wine is bad? I find out that wine is not. That wine is not bad. Therefore, the Gemara says, ultimately, again, that the nether falls off. Now, again, I will say, that type of nether, remember, again, is annulled, even without a revocation process. It's not annulled. It's just what? It's just void. It's just void. There's no revocation process, because as we saw in yesterday's death, a nether betos is just not a nether. A mistaken nether is not a nether. Okay, let's go back there. So the Gemara says, I'm not going to eat onions. I hereby make a nether. Onions are konam to me, because onions are bad for the heart. Then I hear some information, but the kufri onion is actually very good for the heart. So I'll say, what's that? I'm allowed to eat kufri onions. Not only that, not only kufri onions, I'm actually allowed to eat all onions. Why did I say, once again, this is a case of nether bitos. Right? I made a mistake in the nether. Made a mistake in the nether. I'll say a case like this once happened. And Rabbi Mary actually allowed the vower to eat all onions. Good. Let's analyze. So the Gemara says, So remember again, the Mishnah is jumping on the case over here, where I said, So there are 10 people in front of me, and I said, I'm not getting Hanah from you, and from you, and from you, and from you, and from you. So we'll say, what's the if I If I'm matter the nether for the 10th guy, then who does that impact? Who does that impact? The 10th guy and no one before him. So I say, man, who's the opinion? We'll say, ultimately, again, this is Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon said that, we'll say, if you look at the Ran for just a moment, the Ran is right by where the Gemara starts. In other say, who is the opinion who says that the individuals are considered to be linked unless, of course, you explicitly distinguish them one from the other? That is the opinion ultimately of Rabbi Shimon. Good. So we'll say, remember again, next case in the Mishnah. A person says, Right? Wine is usher to me. Why? Because wine is bad for the stomach. So what did the Mishnah say? Then they tell me, by the way, good wine or aged wine is actually good for the stomach. So we'll say, what's that lachol? What's that lachol? Ultimately, again, the entire nether is, is void. So the Mishnah says, the seifok lay the ain rat. Well, here's what's interesting. The way the Mishnah read was, I make a nether that I'm not going to drink wine. Right? Why? Because wine is bad for the stomach. Then I'm told that aged wine is good for the right is actually good for you. So I say, Gemara says, why do you have to get into that wine is good for me? I don't need to know that wine is good for me. I will say the only thing I need in order to make the nether void is what is what that wine isn't bad. That's all. In other words, I made the nether with the understanding that wine has an adverse effect. All I need to know, all I need to be told is that wine doesn't have an adverse effect. You don't have to be told that it's good for you. To which the Gemara says, you're right. I'm Rabbi Abba, v'od You're right. The reason the nether is void is because the nether is betos. It's a mistake. I made the nether because I thought wine was bad for me. 
It turns out it's not bad for me. That's why the nether is void, right? It's just a mistake in nether. The mission just says, oh, and by the way, there's also an additional component, which is, which is what? Not only were you wrong, but you were so wrong. So wrong. Sounds like a marriage argument, right? In other words, not only were you wrong, like, but like, it's the opposite of what you said, right? It's the opposite of what you said. In other words, not, not only is it not bad for you, right? But Lamaisa, it's actually good for you. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, fine. The Gemara says, uh, good. It's the same idea. So I'll say the onion case, right? Remember again, I made a nether. I'm not eating onions. Why? Because onions are bad for the heart. Then it turns out that what? The kofri onion is actually good for the heart. So once, once again, the safe I don't need onions to be good for me. I just need what? Onions not to be bad for the heart. As long as we can prove that as being true, then I'll say the entire nether is a toast. To which again, the Gemara says, you're right, you're right. The reason the nether is ultimately void, the reason the nether is void is because I made a mistake. Onions are not bad. The mission just as in, and by the way, in addition to onions not being bad, of kufi onion could actually have a beneficial effect. Incredible. Mishnah. So we'll see, here we go. Fascinating. Let's listen to this. Another way to make a Pesach. We can make a Pesach for a person using his own dignity or honor or the dignity of his children. I will say, for example, for example, Omrim Lola Adam. Omrim Lola Adam. We can say to a person, so we'll say, by the way, just take a quick look at the Ran because the Ran will help to frame this case. It's three lines up from before the, the last three short lines in the Ran. So we'll say, here's the case in question. A person makes a neder on his wife. So we'll say, so paradigmatic example of this, a man makes a neder, you cannot get any benefit from me. That's the neder he makes. So we'll say, as we saw before, what happens when you make such a neder like that? What happens when you make a neder like that? Triggers the obligation for divorce. So what happens? So look, finish the run. So we'll say, now watch this. Go back to the Mishnah. So we'll say, a man made a neder that his wife can't get hanah from him. That triggers the need for a get. So you can create a Pesach by him. We say to him, Now we'll say, now we say to the guy, we say to the guy, Reuven will call him. Right? So Reuven made a neder against his wife, Rachel, that she can't get hanah from him. So now we say to him, Reuven, how do you realize that as a result of this nether, you're going to have to divorce your wife, and therefore what? They're going to say about you now, tomorrow, this is Ruben. Ruben's a divorcer. Right? Ruben's a divorcer, right? Ruben's a guy who just leaves his family, divorces his wife. You are about your daughters, they're going to say. The daughters now are going to be this, the daughters of a divorcee. Ma son. Iban Shalis Garish, people are gonna cast aspersions, aspersions on your wife. What did Mrs. Ruvain, right? What did Rachel do? What did Rachel do that's now causing Ruvain to divorce her? She will say, what they tell Ruvain is listen, divorce, divorce now opens the door for people to speak badly about your family. Just just just, a, just an unfortunate, tragic reality. To this very day, a tragic reality. So you say to Ruvain, had you realized that now you're opening the door, you're opening the door. For people to talk about you, for people to talk about your ex, for people to talk about your children. Ruven, you're opening that door by making this decision, right? Had you known that this was going to happen, would you still divorce your wife? Ruven says, you know what? Had I known this, I would not have made the nether. 
Right? Had I known this, I would not have made the neder. Hare ze mutter. So we'll say ultimately again, that is a proper Pesach, and that allows for the revocation or the annulment of the vow. So we'll say so again. Essentially, what Ruben is saying is, had I known then what I know now, I would have never made this neder. That is a proper Pesach. Incredible. Konim shaninosies plonis kura. We'll say this is such a profound gemara. Listen to this, right? Reuben has suggested a shidduch with Rachel, and what happens? He doesn't want the now. He doesn't want the shidduch. So we'll say. So what happens? He's so resistant to the shidduch that he does what? He makes a nether. and he articulates why he made the nether. I'm not marrying this woman. I'm not marrying Rachel. Why? Kura. She's 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 not pretty. Kura means a stronger lashon, but we'll say it's hard to it's hard to use that lashon by any human being. Right? So again, she's kura. She's she's very unpretty. Right? Very unpretty. Vahari himna. That turns out she's very pretty. Or he says, ultimately, again, I'm not marrying her because Shora, she's dark complexion. He wants a light complexion girl. Fahari he Levana, and she's light complexion. Or Kitsara, ultimately, and she, he says, I'm not marrying her because she's short. Very Ruka, but she's tall. So Mutaba, I was saying, all of these cases, he's motivated to marry her. Now, why? It's not because of say she was unpretty and then became pretty. Or she was dark complexion, became light complexion. Or she was short, became tall. Rather, Ella Shaned or tall. So, say, so just to be clear, we saw this in yesterday's daft. The Gemara quoted this Mishnah. This is the paradigmatic example of a Neder Tos. He made a mistake. Reuben says, I'm not marrying this girl. She's short. It turns out that was say, she's tall. Not that there was like some miracle, right? You know, she said to him or something. It was, it, was, it, was right. it was just a mistake. It was just a mistake, right? It was just a mistake. So we'll say, so this is a nether toss. And therefore, you know, we'll say, what do you have to do? What do you have to do in order to repeal a nether toss? What do you have to do? Nothing. It, just, it falls on the side by itself. And we'll say, listen to this. So we'll say, there was once a story like this of a man who was proposed the Shidduch with his niece. Now, I'll say, it sounds strange to us, but it was a common practice, right? Avram Avinu married his niece, so I mean, it was Avram Avinu's niece. So I'll say, so again, so there was once a Shidduch that was proposed between a man and his niece, and the man did not want to marry her. Did not want to marry her. So I'll say, to the point that he made a neder, prohibiting himself from getting any hana from her. Okay? Vichnisuat, I will say, now, from the story you see, that the reason he made the neder, the reason he made the neder, Ultimately, again, because she wasn't pretty. She wasn't pretty. So Rabbi Shmuel brought the girl into his home, and he made her pretty. You'll see in just a moment, it's made her pretty. So listen to how beautiful this is. So Rabbi Shmuel then brought the girl before the man, and he said, tell me, is this the girl you didn't want to marry? He said, Rabbi, no, that's not her. That's not her. So Rabbi Shmuel made her look so beautiful. And ultimately, I suppose say, so by the way, I just want to point out, this would also be Pashtos be another Taos. Another Taos. Vitirua. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Shmuel went ahead and permitted the man to marry her. Rabbi listen to how beautiful this is. In that moment, Rabbi Shmuel cried and he said, We're going to see that again. Remember, Rabbi Shmuel, just to understand, so Rabbi Shmuel. This is Rabbi Shlal Kohen Gadol, right? Rabbi Shlal Kohen Gadol lived at the time of Hadrianic persecution. He was one of the Asara Harugi Malchus. So Rabbi Shmuel said, every Jewish woman is pretty. But what happens? Poverty, suffering, adversity, sometimes deprives them of their beauty. 
just what a what a story. What a story, right? So Bishmal sees a girl. Bishmal sees a girl who is so beautiful. Bishmal sees a girl who is so special, but because of adverse circumstances, has her beauty has been stripped away. What does he do? What does he do? He brings her into his home. Whatever he did, he fed her, he clothed her, he bathed her, whatever he had to do. But he restored her beauty to her. Rabbi Shmuel says, because Jewish women, Baruch Hashem, possess such an incredible beauty. It's just sometimes the adversity of their circumstances stripped them of that beauty. When Rabbi Shmuel died, specifically the Jewish girls cried. Right? The Jewish girls said about Rabbi Shmuel, we have to cry over his loss. I will say, because Rabbi Shmuel took an interest in making sure that the Benos Yisrael, the Jewish girls, were restored to their beauty. similar thing by Shal, that when Shal died, it was said, the daughters of Israel cried for us. So say, this, was, this, this was the Maisa with Rabbi Yishmael. Again, we're going to see a little bit more in just a moment. So the Gemara says, Maisa Lister is the story, I don't understand, this is the story. The story seems to contradict the Gemara. Now, as Rabbi say, if you look at the, if you look at the Ran, three lines are from the bottom, Maisa Lister, Heich, maybe Maisa Lister, Devar of Dimei Karakatani, Dekur of Anasis, Na Asr, Ubasar, Achikatani, Maisa. So so again, from the Mishnah, it sounds like if a, if a woman was unpretty and then became pretty, in other words, then, then ultimately, again, that's not a Pesach for the Nether. Because Rabbi say, if she was unpretty and became pretty, what do we call that? No lot. No lot. The Pashtos, it seems to be the majority opinion, says that you can't create a Pesach with no lot. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara is supposed to listen to this. There's a piece missing. What's missing? Vachi Katani. Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Shmuel says, no. Afilu ki'ura v'na'asis na'a shechoru v'na'asis labana kitsara v'na'asis haruka. Rabbi Shmuel happens to all this follows. Rabbi Shmuel holds that Allah HaLamaysa poschim b'nolad. That's what Yishmael says, poschim and olad. That I'm say, ultimately, you can create a Pesach with brand new circumstances that have come about. That even if, ultimately, she wasn't pretty, but became pretty. She was dark complexion, but became light complexion. She was short, but somehow became tall. Right? So the nice guy, Yishmael, holds that even with nolad, new circumstances that were not present at the time the vow was made, ultimately, that could create an opening, a Pesach for Hataras Nadarim. Incredible. And tells the story. And we'll say, that's the story of Nolad. That's the story of Nolad. She wasn't pretty. She was not pretty beforehand. Right? And what happens? So in other words, we'll say, this wasn't a Nedar Betalus. It wasn't a Pshat that the man thought, oh, she wasn't pretty. In other words, the Mishnah gives an example like that of a man who says, I'm not marrying this woman because she's not pretty. Because she's not pretty. And then it turns out that what? He made a mistake. That's not this case. The case over here is, she wasn't pretty. And Rabbi Shmuel took an active interest in her, helped her, and made her pretty. This is a case of Nolad. And Rabbi Shmuel allows, ultimately, again, Hataras Nadarm through a Pesach of Nolad. So the Gemara says, Tana, how did Rabbi Shmuel make her pretty? It was, it's so beautiful. Shein Toteves Haisala, Ba'asala Bishmal Shein Shal Zahab. So Rabbi say, she was missing a tooth. She was missing teeth. So we'll say, this is incredible, by the way. What did Rabbi Shmuel what did Rabbi Shmuel ultimately again do for her? He, cosmetic dentistry. Cosmetic dentistry. Because I will say the truth is, the truth is, again, if a person, this is, by the way, the, from, from dentists need to, need to capitalize on this. This, this, is, this is good marketing from the DAF. So I will say, so again, because remember, what gives you, it's really true, what gives you confidence? On a most basic interpersonal level, what gives you confidence? Your 
your smile. If you're self-conscious about your smile, you're self-conscious about your teeth, it's very hard to go ahead and give off an air of confidence. It's really, it's so dramatically true. So what happens? This girl was missing a tooth. She was missing a tooth. So what happens if a, if a young woman is missing a tooth? So the pastors, she's not gonna smile. If she's not gonna smile, we'll say, what do people think of her? Introvert, unfriendly. Meanwhile, she is, she's just totally self-conscious about her smile, about her smile. So the Gemara says, so what did Rabbi Shmuel do for her? Rabbi Shmuel gave her a gold tooth. Now, both say, but Pashtos, it must have been white gold. Right, right? Because, I don't know, like a gold tooth? I don't know. Sounds, sounds like a little, uh, whatever. Now, I say, so the so, so again, it must have been a white, a white gold tooth. But the Maestro, what's it? That's incredible. Rabbi Shmuel gave her cosmetic dentistry. Gave her a smile, allowed her to feel confident. And I both say, by the way, according to this approach of the Gemara, the only thing Rabbi Shmuel did for her was what? Was what? Was just give her cosmetic dentistry. That was it. That, that, that was, when the man said, I'm not marrying her because she's unpretty, the unprettiness that he was probably referring to, I both say, it could have been that he saw the missing teeth, or it could have been that he just felt she never smiles. And if a human being, if a woman, man, anyone, never smiles, there's no chen, there's no beauty to Rabbi Shmuel, cosmetic dentistry. Cosmetic dentistry and ultimately again restored her beauty. Incredible. So the mark goes back there. Kishaka Rabbi Shmuel, when Rabbi Shmuel died, Pasech Aliyahu Sapdana. So let's say there was a guy who, a person who was eulogizing and said, Benos Yisrael al Rabbi Shmuel Bechena Hama Bishchen. So, so the, the eulogizer said, Jewish women, Jewish girls, you really have to cry for Rabbi Shmuel because Rabbi Shmuel, let's say, isn't this incredible? Rabbi Shmuel made sure that every single Jewish girl was pretty. To whatever he could do, whatever he could do. But Shabbos said, because you know what the interesting thing about beauty is? So the interesting thing about beauty is the beauty is, Rabbi Shmuel recognizes the beauty is always there. Just sometimes the beauty, just sometimes the beauty needs to be, needs to be tweaked, right? Needs to be tweaked. Also, men need to be less shallow. But, but, but Lamaisa, right? But that, that's the unwritten part of the story, right? But Lamaisa, again, the, the beauty is there, Rabbi Shmuel said. All you need is someone to take an active interest in you to help you. It's so beautiful. We'll say, by the way, I just, I, I know we don't have time for it, but I just have to tell you something like that is just ridiculously, amazingly beautiful. And we'll say, on that phrase, on that phrase of Benosi Salmel, and I will say, right, the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, right, and then we're going to get into the stories. In the Mishnah, Rabbi Shmuel made, made a statement. What was his statement? Benos Israel, Benos Israel, Benos Israel are beautiful. Well, how do you translate it? Anios, anios, poverty, minavalton. Minavalton means almost like, nivel means like degrades them, diminishes their beauty. And I will say, get ready for this. Get ready for this. The great tzaddik, Menachem Mendel of Riminov, said that there's another way to read that phrase. Benos Yisrael, naosim. Benos Yisrael, says the Rebbe, means also klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael, just like Ben Yisrael, means klal Yisrael. Benos Yisrael also means, again, we're like children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, sons and daughters to Hashem. Benosi saw the Jew, the Jew is beautiful. So what happens? Elahaanios. Get ready. Get ready. Here it is. Ready? The Anios, I will say, you spell Anios with how? With an ayin. But I will say, it's vocalized the same way as if you put it with an aleph. I will say, what is Anios with an aleph? Anios means egocentricity. Anios, the me, the anios, being about ani, being about ani, 
making life all about me. Egocentricity, self-centeredness. All I worry about is what I want, what I want to do, what makes me happy. I don't care about the other. I don't care about my fellow Jew. I don't even care about what Baruch Hu wants. Ha'anios menavaltan. You know what makes a person ugly? You know, we know what degrades, what strips away all of the beauty? Is anios, me-ness, I-ness. When everything comes, becomes about me, Abosai. Is that not the most incredible thing you've ever heard in your life? Binos Yisrael Mosein. Every single, I will say, every single Jew is beautiful. There is no such thing as an unpretty Jew. There is no such thing. Every single Jew is beautiful. Every single Jew possesses such incredible spiritual beauty. The problem is, we often become so wrapped up in ourselves. The Aniyus with an Aleph. Everything becomes about me, the egocentricity, the self-centeredness. And that's what removes all of my beauty. When everything in life becomes about me, when everything in life becomes about the I, that deprives me of every single piece of my spiritual beauty, which tells me that if I want to become beautiful, which we all want to become spiritually beautiful, I will say, it requires a profound focus on the other and a profound focus on the needs of the other and of the needs of the rebellion. A little less I and a little bit more of the other. Incredible, incredible. I would not be able to sleep tonight if I did not give that over to you before the end of year. Jose says the Gemara, great, great. And, and also tomorrow's daf is short. Yeah, very good. Yes, very good. We should just stop here and have coffee. And Jose so again, let's go like this. Let's go. Ha-hud, litvisu. Jose, man said to his wife, Konam shi'at Rabbi All right, so now we're going to see, we're going to see some interesting stories about, about some fascinating marital dynamics. So there was a guy who said to his wife, right, you are not allowed to get any hanah from me up until, right, unless you go ahead and serve your food to Rabbi Yehuda and to Rabbi Shimon. I will say, it could be that like the backdrop of this story might have been that she was such a terrible cook, right, that, that he needed other people to understand the suffering that he was, that he was going through, right? Or the other piece, the other piece was he was just a jerk. In other words, that's, that's not the Ran or the Russian. That, 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 that's, that's, that's my Rashi on this. I was going to say, sometimes again, and you'll see why that's important in just a moment. It could be that he was just a difficult guy. In any event, he makes this outrageous nether, which is an outrageous nether, right? Konam, you, you are going to, you, you, are go, you cannot get Hanoah from me until you go ahead and give your, serve your food that you cook. Rabbi Yehuda taught Rabbi Yehuda ate the food. Fine. He said, Amr Kadu Chomer, Umar Lasso Sholomim Ishle Ishto, Amr Torah Shimi Shinichta Bikdushi, Machala Mai Marim, Bisafik, Vaniel Achaz Kama Vakama. So I will say, so what happened? Rabbi Yehuda said, fine, I'll leave it. Now I will say, it's obviously very degrading. Right? This lady walks into the base magic with her pot of food. She says, here, taste this. Taste this. So Rabbi Yehuda says, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda must have understood, or she, either she divulged him or he understood what was going on. He said, listen, in the case of Sota, whose woman suspected of adultery, her husband brings her to the base Hamikdash, right? And there's a whole process. And part of that process is what? There's a, there's a piece of parchment with the name of Hashem that is dissolved in water that she has to drink. If Hashem allows his name to be dissolved for the sake of affecting shalom between a husband and wife, then I can taste some food. Then I can taste some food. I want to say a very, a very, a very just, just what we learned, no, no anios in this, right? A very humbling statement. If God, if God could humble himself, to make shalom in a marriage, Rabbi Huda says, I could humble myself to help make shalom in a marriage as well. Rabbi Shimon, low time. Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, 
would not go ahead and would not go ahead and eat the food. He would not. He would not go ahead and do it. Right? He said, "Yamusu kol almono." So let, let him literally again. Let this entire family die. Let Shimon nimkomo. But Shimon is not going to go ahead and move from his place. So we'll say, Rabbi Shimon refused to eat the food. Now, what's the pshat? What's the pshat? So we'll say, if you take a look, so we'll say, Rabbi Shimon felt that no, this was a disparagement to Tamidi Chachamim, which is a disparagement to Torah. In other words, we'll say, this is not just this guy embarrassing his wife, this is this guy humiliating Tamidi Chachamim as well. And Rabbi Shimon says, at a certain point in time, Tamidi Chachamim have to take a stand to preserve Kavadah Torah. Because the moment that Kavadah Torah is totally and fundamentally degraded is the moment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is degraded. Torah itself is degraded. So Rabbi Shimon said, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it because it in and of itself is a degradation of Torah. And furthermore, again, if we do this, if we do this, then ultimately, again, we are enabling and maybe even on some level encouraging this type of errant behavior. We'll say, take a look at the rush for just a moment. The rush is in the left hand. Come the valyozer shem imkomo lezalza bekvot Torah. So velo dami laashkas sota shekino labayla l'shem shemayim al sherah b'shay sabers. And we'll say, Rabbi Shimon said, you can't compare this to sota. Why? Because we'll say in sota, in sota, there is some element of suspicion. Remember again, we'll say, what's the process of sota? The process of sota is a man says to his wife, don't be alone with this guy. And then what? And then what? She's alone with him for long enough for something to have occurred. There's something going on over here. Maybe not adultery, but there's something wrong over here. There's a process, then that's triggered. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon said, no, this, this is just totally inappropriate. And because it's totally inappropriate, I am not going to be a party with it, to it. And therefore, again, he refused to teach. So I will say, just pointing out, it is, who's right? Right, who's right? So again, I will say, you know, Rabbi Huda's position seems so beautiful. Willing to go ahead and essentially suffer indignity to go ahead and preserve Shalom Bayit. So I will say, but Rabbi Shimon is right also. Rabbi Shimon is right also. You know, there is the ability to suffer indignity, but there are some things that are just bigger than any individuals, like Kavara Torah, Kavara Tamidi Chachamim, Kavara Shem. Those are, those are pillars upon which our entire people are built. And the truth is, if they're degraded and eroded, Cloudy Stroll is degraded and eroded. So, both say, so what's fascinating about this case is, you really needed both of them to each take their respective course of action. Because both say, I learned two things. Number one, to humble oneself for the sake of the greater good, but also sometimes to stand your ground for the sake of the greater good. Isn't that incredible? Two lessons. Sometimes I have to humble myself when that is necessary for the greater good of Kalal Yisrael, in this case, the Shalom of Kalal Yisrael, sometimes I have to stand my ground for the greater good of Kalal Yisrael. Which one is right? When they're right, who they're right? I will say, obviously, that's going to be a case-by-case case situation. I will say, Shkoyach. All right. All right. Everyone, have a great day, everyone. A good Shabbos. No brachas or anything like that. Yeah.
the no, there was it, it might not be Noah because it's in, there was intrinsic beauty there to begin with. He just recognizes it.